Hi, and welcome to the Inbold Company podcast. I'm your host, Christina Gonzalez-Sander. So you guys know the drill. If you're new here, I welcome you into my space on the internet. Each week on the Inbold Company podcast, I discuss various topics with women of color, about anything and everything from entrepreneurship, family, money, self-discovery, all sorts of good things. I created this space so that women of color could explore and reflect on their identities, right? In an open environment. So that's what we're here to do. And if you've been listening to the past two podcast episodes, because at this point we have two, we're new. I want to hear about what you guys think. What have you been resonating with? What do you want to hear more of? I want to talk. So make sure you find a way to talk to me. DMs, email, holler at me. But today I really wanted to share a couple of things that I've been loving during quarantine. I feel like people are okay with me sharing that information, right? So just a side note, none of this is being paid for. I just genuinely like these things. So the first one is Holisticism, which is a wellness website that makes wellness accessible and more affordable. And I have a huge crush on the founder. Her name's Michelle. I've taken all of her virtual classes, which are free, and they're all about intuitive business, which sounds a little woo-woo. Could be, yes, but I mean, the website's called Holisticism. So... I'm a big nerd. I love learning new things. And her virtual workshops are just really good. They're super valuable. I've been using them a lot with Inbold Company and been liking what I'm seeing. So if you guys are interested, check that out. She has other classes about human design, spells, all sorts of stuff. So I'll make sure to link that in the show notes. And then the other thing I've been really loving is Book of the Month Club. I just finished my April book. You guys have probably heard me say this on Instagram, so sorry, but it was really good. And I used to read all the time, but life happened. And it was a hobby that I put on the back burner. But I am really excited because now I don't really have to search that hard for books and they can just mail it to me every month. And I feel good about it. I'm really into it. So like I said, honestly, I wish these were both paid ads, (laughs) but I just really like them. So my third thing is Ozark. I can't believe I didn't start this sooner and watch this, except that Jurgen and I binge watched all of season one this past weekend. And so we just started season two. So nobody give me any spoilers. I'm real mad, but... Yeah, those are just the three things I've been loving this week, and that's all I have for you. I just wanted to tell you guys in case you were interested or you needed a new TV show or a website to dive into or a book to read, but if anyone has any recommendations for me, I'd love to hear them. So let's get to today's guest, which is Katie Lewis. Yay, I'm so excited. Katie Lewis is a self-taught artist based in Austin, Texas, and she concentrates on simplistic contour line drawings, but also spends a lot of time expanding her painting knowledge and creating murals. So I want to say that I met Katie through Boss Babes. I do know that I actually won an Instagram giveaway and I ended up winning a print from her and her painting is hanging up in my living room. I never get tired of looking at it. I love it so much. 
And I'll actually link it in the show notes too, so you guys can see which one I got. But in today's episode, we talk about her experience as an adoptee growing up in Connecticut, the struggle to find an American Girl doll that looks like you. We all know somebody that's been there. If it wasn't you, we all know, because I had the Jewish one, because there was not a Filipino American Girl doll. Anyway, that's just a silly thing that we talk about, but... We also learn the story of how she found her birth parents through Facebook and just what it was like growing up as somebody that was adopted, you know, searching for their cultural identity. I think that whether or not you were adopted, whether or not you grew up in a family that had a very strong connection to your cultural heritage, I think that there's always a level of discovery that needs to happen for you as an individual for you to understand yourself more and that is the whole reason why we do this podcast is understanding ourselves more figuring out why and how we've come to be who we are today and as you guys know I really just appreciate you listening so so much please make sure you subscribe rate and share it with a friend who would love it too We always start off with pulling an oracle card. This week is declutter. Does this one resonate with you? Let me know. I've been decluttering everything. So stick around to the end of the episode. I'll be sharing some fun things that are happening on our Instagram this week. And I can't wait to connect with you again soon. All right. Ciao. How's work been? It's good. Our restaurant is still open and it's just open for like to go and pick up, but yeah, it's just frustrating because, well, I don't know. No one else really wants to work. So it's just me and like two other girls who are down to work. So we're working like pretty much. Oh, really? Yeah. Last night was pretty busy though. What did everybody else decide to do? Just not? Just not work because a lot of them have like just like weird health things where they don't even want Because mm. you kind of have to see a lot of strangers because it's a restaurant so like all different people yeah. in with their kids and stuff like that. So it's, it's kind of weird, but yeah, hopefully the, the people who come are more like cautious. I think I was last night, like people came in with like masks and like gloves and like they wouldn't touch like, I don't know, but it was good. Like that made me feel safe. Yeah. You're like, okay, you guys are at least safe talking. and I trust <laughs> that you're not infecting me. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know this lady brought her wipes in and she like wiped the pen and her, card and like and then her hands it's okay she's a regular has it been like for citizen has it been like really wild with them deciding that they wanted to do takeout honestly i think it's because like since it's a small business and they've only been open for like three years so they're still kind of like catching up Mm. from opening just because it just takes a lot to open a restaurant especially in austin yeah, but my boss. I def. I knew that he wouldn't close unless he had to. Had to, you know. Mm-hmm. There's so much food too that we had like on a continuous like buying whatever. So like you don't know how to really get rid of it before closing. So I think if we have to close, close he will. Like if it's managed, yeah. He will, but we just kept reducing the hours, so we're changing hours again on Monday. Really yeah. to. Just what, like just 12. lunch or something? Yeah, like 12 to 6, and we're usually open from like 11 to 9. Damn. 
How was that for you specifically, the reduction in hours? I mean, thankfully, like me and my boyfriend Deontay, like we've been saving like over the course of like being here. So mm-hmm. I think I'm not as worried, but I don't know. It is weird because you don't really know how long like it's gonna last, like this whole thing and what yeah you do after the fact. But when I worked last night, like everyone was tipping really well and like being super nice about it, and they like came to specifically support small business. So at least yeah. my work doesn't like suck, and it's like I know. Environment, but good. Well, that's like one of the reasons why I like Austin so much, though, right? Is like everyone here is so supportive of all of the small businesses. I feel like Austin really runs off of that energy. And so I feel like I'm really lucky to be living here because I have family in Chicago and shit over there is insane. Yeah, it's a way bigger city too. Like Austin's super spread out. So like we're not, Mm -hmm. the things we need to do to function, it's not like we have to really be out in, yeah, like New York and California. That's just like a whole different story. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, thank you for coming on to the podcast. I'm really excited to talk to you. I'm so excited. I mean, I know we kind of touched on your life story at Merit Coffee. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So you probably, I don't know if you've seen this on my Instagram recently, but normally I have people pick out one of these cards. So these are Oracle cards. So basically they all kind of look like this and they actually kind of remind me of your art. Yeah. I was going to say, I really (laughs) like drawing. So we're going to try to virtually do this. So it's basically as an Oracle card, they each have a theme on it. And I like people to pick it just so they have kind of like a theme, sort of. I don't know. A theme usually comes up. And then at the end, we kind of talk about how we feel about the theme at the end of the podcast. So, for example, Priscilla had gratitude. Mm. And then for hers, we talked a lot about family and that kind of stuff. And then we kind of circle back to it at the end. So that's kind of that's kind of the thing. But basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to shuffle it for you. And then you're just going to tell me when I should stop. So I'm going to start shuffling. <laughs> so everything is virtual now. Okay, stop. Okay. Do you want me to pick the top one? Yeah, sure. So you got declutter. So that's the theme. But here, I'll read you what it says in this little book. One thing I haven't been able to do this whole, this whole bit. It's like the one necessary thing I feel like, but I just... just gonna, really? Yeah. <laughs> what do you feel like you needed to clutter? My whole apartment. In, <laughs> I don't know. Because it's, it's just me, my boyfriend, and like my dog. And we live in a studio apartment. So like everything is just everywhere. Oh, damn. Jurgen and I also used to live in a studio apartment <laughs> up until October of last year with our dog. It's a tight space. Especially with the quarantine, like, there's no place in the house that I can't see either of them, you know? <laughs> I'm, like, in the corner. I have to, like, face the wall or something if I need my space. I'm just like, okay. But whatever. No, I know. I was telling Jurgen, I was like, I don't know what our life would have been like <laughs> if we were quarantined in the studio. <laughs> I know. I, I would have left. So I'm like, this is great. <laughs> well, so it has this little booklet, but basically it says, strip away everything that doesn't serve you. When you are really shedding 
the resistance for expansion, receiving, and the manifestation of your gifts and worth. No more playing small. Make room for what's ready to be birthed. A crowded space has no opening for the light to shine in. So I don't know. Just like a fun thought. I pick one every day and I just feel like it's fun, especially right now during quarantine, kind of have some sort of direction. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But okay. So can we start by you telling me a little bit about how you grew up? So Connecticut. Yeah. Like what was that like? Oh, Connecticut. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It's kind of interesting because so like I told you at Mary, I am Filipino, but Mm -hmm. I was adopted when I was 18 months. So about like a year and a half, I finally made my way to America. So I have two white parents and I have two adopted siblings. So I have an older brother. He's about like three years older than me. He's also Filipino. Mm-hmm. And we went to like the same orphanage. So my parents adopted my brother and then they adopted me mm-hmm. years later at the same orphanage. But then like a lot of like the adoption laws in the Philippines changed. So my little sister, she's three years younger than me and she's Korean. But yeah, it was really interesting growing up with like, for at least for all three of us. Yeah. Just because I think until I was in third grade, so I don't know, I think I was eight years old. We mm-hmm. in Canton, Connecticut. And Connecticut's just really, really small. It's like one of the smallest states, I think, in America. Yeah. But there's like a lot of different towns. And I think Connecticut as a whole gets a, like people have the perception that it's a lot of private schools, like, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of like farms and like people ride, you know, horses and, you know. <laughs> and I think when I was in Canton, that's literally like just how it felt almost. It was very like, suburban super small town like every family knows each other like yeah they're all just like stay-at-home moms like raising the kids and stuff and like since like Connecticut's so close to New York like the dads usually especially growing up like would just commute to New York you know so it's a lot of right. a lot of money at least in Canton because I, I just know that because my mom would always just talk about how different it was like living there because she's mm-hmm. a teacher there but I think because of that being the dynamic, Kitten really was not diverse, like, at all. Yeah. At all. No way. I was going to ask. I think we were, a part, like, a handful, a handful of people in the elementary school that were not white, if that makes sense. So, like, that was yeah. just, like, all three of us saw until, yeah, until, like, I was eight years old. So, it was just kind of weird. I think I remember there was this thing where, like, the only I think there was a program where they wanted to get like diversity like into Canton or whatever like your elementary school yeah like into okay and so there was like this program where they pretty much like let people from Hartford which is like the capital of Connecticut like it was just three African-American students who like they took a bus to transfer yeah 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 Mm-hmm. They like took a bus from Harper to Canton, which was like a 30, 45 minute drive, like every day. And like, that was what Canton was like, yep, diversity. Yeah. Do you remember the first time that you realized that it was not diverse? I mean, I don't think we have that language when we're eight, Mm-mm. but do you remember like a feeling or a specific memory that you had? I do have a memory, but like, I didn't realize until me and my mom talked about it like this situation literally like I think two months ago really yeah I was talking to her about just like 
elementary school because she worked there because she was a teacher at the time. Got it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just like the regular, like the public school there. But I remember, so this was like my version of the story, like growing up when I was, I think this was when I was like five or six, like at recess, there was a, um, just like a group of girls that like I wanted to be friends with and all that stuff. And um, they had like this club and they wouldn't let me in their club. And I always thought it was because like, I assumed in my head, it was like, oh, it's probably because like I have glasses and they don't or so like just something mm-hmm. really little. Yeah. Like I was like, I think I just came home really upset about it one day and I was telling my mom about it um, and all of that. And yeah, I think the next day, like she interpret like the way I was telling her the story, like she kind of just put it into like perspective, like that's not actually like what's going on here, especially since she knows all the teachers who work there. So she told me like two months ago, like, no, Katie, that's not what happened. Like, they didn't want you in their club because like you didn't look like them and you didn't have blonde hair and all that stuff like that. So, and um, she confirmed it with the teacher and everything that like, yeah, the little. Wow. So at the time she kind of knew, but you didn't really understand why that was that they were excluding you. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it was, I don't know. It was just like a little recess club or whatever. And I just thought it was like, yeah, I just blew it off or whatever. But I was like, no, it was a big deal. And like the teacher, she brought it up with the teacher and the teacher was like, Oh yeah, no, I brought it up to the little girl and I made her cry or something like that. Cause she knew like that she was just that, I don't know. That they were behaving like that. Uh, yeah. And I don't know. I, I feel like I think about it now and just knowing what, I guess the diversity situation was there Mm -hmm. just because like when I was eight, we moved towns. So I moved right next, like a town called Windsor and that's right next to Hartford. So like the capital and yeah, like Windsor is like the most diverse town I've ever lived in just because people of all like backgrounds live there and Mm -hmm. anything I feel like, like, Caucasian people were the minority in that town but for me oh we definitely okay yeah like we were just so shocked that's a big difference did your parents do the move on purpose they did the move on purpose definitely because my mom ended up getting a job in Windsor when she's Mm -hmm. working again and then my dad got a job in Windsor like at the same time it just happened to happen but they also were kind of over Canton yeah but yeah I think they did it just so we felt more, I guess, more just like comfortable and whatever. But yeah, yeah, that changed literally so much just because. With the yeah, with the difference of your peers and that change. Well, growing up, did you and your parents talk a lot about you guys being adopted and diversity and that sort of yeah. conversation? They did it in like. They did so much actually about the conversation of adoption, at least just because I think, okay, so after they adopted all three of us, they made a whole like nonprofit and it was called like after you adopt. I don't know if they made it just themselves, but they definitely like partnered with other. It was a group for like adopted families. Mm -hmm. And that tended to be like the place where I met a bunch of other like little like adopted like children that were my age. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Mm -hmm. And then they also like started this organization with like the Filipino Association of Connecticut. There's a Filipino Association of Connecticut. Yeah. It's called PAC. 
It's seriously so cool. And pretty much they like partnered up with my parents and like what they did with like the adoption organization. And they made this thing called Kamabuhai. I mean, I'm sure like you know what that means, but I guess for listeners, um, Buhai means welcome in Tagalog, I think. I'm pretty sure, right? I don't speak Tagalog, so. Uh. (laughs) I can remember correctly, but it was a huge thing when I was growing up. It was all adopted families, but like Filipino, like they had Filipino adopted children. So did you guys all kind of come together and were they connecting you to other people from the Philippines that were older so you guys could feel connected to the Philippines or like what was that community like then? So pretty much it would happen once a year and it would be a weekend of just like all events. So the reason we partnered, like we partnered with like PAC, they had like just all Filipino Americans who like weren't adopted in any way or anything, but they had the culture, like they all like spoke Tagalog. They all like had, I don't know how to describe it, but they just, you know, they were Filipino Americans. Yeah. Yeah. And it was great because like all of the adopted families who had Filipino children, we used that weekend, like we learned how to cook like Filipino meals. We learned a little bit of Tagalog. We played like Filipino games and they brought all the traditions from the Philippines, like into the little camp. That's so cute. Yeah. And it was just the funnest experience like ever. We would do things like we'd have to be like in teams and we'd make like like Nipa huts out of like sticks or, you know, like things like that. Mm -hmm. And then another part of that was like all the teens who were from like the Filipino association would be our, like our ates and our kuyas. So like for the little kids, so they were like our mentors, like not our mentor, but. Well, it's just someone that you could try to connect to. Right. I mean, have you ever talked to any other adoptees and talked about, your experience growing up and how having that community and having that weekend with other Filipino Americans really helped you? Yeah, I mean, I have a cousin who's also adopted and he's Filipino, but he grew up in New York. So they weren't able Mm -hmm. to come to the camp. I think he came like one summer. But like, it's so different because I just know so much I feel like about the Philippines just from like that experience and having that experience for like, most of my childhood, because I have Mm -hmm. like the elders in the group, like they are literally my, I consider them as like my grandparents, like I we're that close. And I have people I consider my aunts. And like, I talk to the kids I grew up with in that like little community, I still talk to them. Whereas like my cousin, Matt, like I just he's a different story. Like he's an only child. And um, but I just don't think where he grew up, there was anything like that. Mm -hmm. So when he visited me when I first moved to Austin, like there was a Filipino food truck that I was obsessed with. Do you know Tito Adobo? Yeah, yeah. It's right by my house. Yeah. Yes. I I literally was obsessed with it. So I brought him there. That was the first time he had Filipino food. And he's like 19. He like drove to visit me in Texas. And that was the first time he ever had like Filipino food or... And I think growing up, me and Daniel, my brother, were like the only Filipino mm-hmm. people he really knew. Wow. And yeah, I don't know. So it's just so different. Like to for me to have a conversation with like my cousin Matt, we just have mm-hmm. different experiences. I'm like, and just we identify, I think, with the Philippines a lot differently. And I think there's like he, I think, is definitely 
really interested in connecting with his culture and like trying to mm-hmm. find that part of his identity. Because like growing up with white parents, it's just so different because yeah. you have to kind of navigate things that they wouldn't really experience, like that they can't teach you. Right. And I know I I thought about that a lot deeper after I went to Misfits Fest, just because I was like, oh wait this happened and this happened and this happened. And I didn't really process it in my mind growing up, even as a teenager until I really sat and I was like, okay, yeah, I kind of had to teach myself like how to deal with like self-confidence in a town Mm -hmm. where like no one looks like me. And I have to teach myself how to like navigate different like friendships and stuff where I know even if we have different experiences and like different privileges and stuff like that, like how can I, I don't know, approach. Yeah. I I mean, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I mean, I grew up in a mostly white community also. And I think navigating your self-confidence is really confusing during that time. And it took me a really long time to process all that information or really ever think about it, you know, because you don't really have that language or that thought process unless you either hear about it or someone points it out to you and then you sit and reflect. I mean, I know you were saying you thought about you navigating your self-confidence without kind of without the help of your parents because they were white. Mm -hmm. Can you elaborate more on that? Like what were your thoughts after Misfits or your realizations? Well, at least definitely after Misfits, it's like, Because before I I moved to Austin, I visited, like, my um, birth family in the Philippines. And I had visited the Philippines around the time that I had moved when I was younger. So when I was eight, we went. But it was more of just, like, a visiting, you know, the Philippines. And that was definitely Mm -hmm. a big, like, turning point, I guess, when I was younger. But when I visited as, like, when I was, what, like, 19 or 20? yeah. Just going and being immersed in a place where literally everyone looks like you and everyone's short and everyone has black <laughs> yes. has like the same like eye shape as you. Like you don't feel foreign in that environment. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You don't realize it subconsciously like when you are in America or at least in a place that isn't as diverse. But I think growing up, especially when you're navigating like relationships and having crushes on people and like wanting to become like someone's friend, like or in a friend group where you aren't a reflection of any of them. Mm -hmm. It's just weird because you feel like, okay, are they going to embrace like my differences or like, is it weird that I'm even thinking about that? And then you sometimes think, oh, they are perceiving me in a different way or like, I don't know. I just remember if this makes sense, like when I had like crushes on boys growing up or whatever. And like, I don't know, it was like a white boy and all of my friends mm-hmm. and like, it was just me. And like, everyone's like this tall and I'm like, you know, a foot shorter. And I'm just like, you know, I'd probably not even make the first cut, you know, just like, I would be like the last. Oh yeah. Yes. You feel like you're kind of like the last pick. Yeah. Because. Mm-hmm you don't look the same as all the other girls. It feels weird. Yeah, You're just kind of like, of a thought. would they pick? Oh, yeah. go ahead. What? So ridiculous to even think that or just, just know that you think about that. But at the same time, like, 
it is just so weird, especially growing up when you're a child. Like, I don't see Filipino, like, characters. You know, I didn't see mm-hmm. even just Asian faces in general weren't in cartoons, weren't in movies. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember I was obsessed with American Girl dolls, like, obsessed with them. Right. And like, me too. I, I think I had, I literally had so many. It's ridiculous. Even Barbies or whatever. But I remember my mom, when she first adopted me, she bought like the baby version of a, an American Girl doll. And there was like a mm-hmm. little brown Asian baby. And it looked just like me as a baby. But then if you, I don't know if you remember, there were like tween versions of American Girls. And no, I don't remember. But yeah, like you would get a huge catalog in the mail. And like one of the pages. Oh, did you get a custom one? Yeah, so yeah, you could get a custom one. Te- like it was technically custom, but there were already like pre-picked custom, you know, mm-hmm. girls. And there were like 50 different versions, right? And they were like spread a- across like two pages and they just had their head and like what their face looked like and their hair color. And it was just like, I think 40 of them were white, <laughs> like different shades of white. And then there was like, I think there were two versions of like an African American and there were two versions of Asian. And then I had to just choose like, I think just like a light skin, a light skin American girl doll because that matched my skin color, but it Mm. it had like brown hair or like lighter. Yeah. So you just like didn't fit. Well, I think it's weird because and we're I feel like we're both using the term weird because it's hard. I think to call it out for what it is, is that it's really sad that we both felt that way. And it's definitely sucked. Like you think that you're going to be picked last because you look differently. And when you're that age, even, you know, through high school, most people just want to be able to fit in with all their other friends. And so when no one looks like you, you're thinking, oh, if I looked like them, like X, Y, Z would happen or that boy would like me or like maybe he'd rather be with a blonde girl because blonde girls are like always what everyone wants on TV or like in movies or in books. You're like, oh, the blonde girl's like the hot one. Mm -hmm. And literally when I was growing up, I told my mom that I wanted my middle name to be Sarah. No offense to any Sarahs that I know. (laughs) I probably love all the Sarahs that I know, but I did not need my name to be Sarah. (laughs) You know what I mean? But I really wanted to fit in. Like I wanted to have a middle name, which my middle name is Santos, which is my mom's maiden name. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, that's weird. Everyone else has middle names. And it's just like even those small, tiny things that add up to all of this weird insecurity and lack of Mm self-confidence. I mean, I told this story to my other friend and I've always had one Filipino best friend most points in my life. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, you know what I mean? Like I changed schools a lot. So like when I was little, my best friend was Marie Panazales. And then like later on, it was my friend Monica Musney. And then later on, it was my friend Gina Mungi. And we went to college together in Iowa. Not very diverse. <laughs> yeah, no, not diverse at all. Mm-hmm. You know, and one night we got like super drunk we're dancing to Beyonce music videos at our apartment at school. And then we get so drunk to the point where we like confessed to each other that we always felt like we were going to be picked last as 
like a girl that the guys would like because we're like, oh, they're going to pick the white girl over us. And I remember both of us are like crying. We're like drinking wine. Candles are lit. You know what I mean? And we're just like confessing those things that no one ever talks about. Yeah. I guess to that point, I just, yeah, I totally agree. And I, especially like middle school, like high school, it kind of like calms things down, but middle school is just like war zone. It's just so crazy, especially because I was already in Windsor at that time. So like the place that's more diverse, but even the perception that people have on Asian people as a whole, not just like Filipino people, but like people think of it as just such a foreign thing. Like even now with the coronavirus, like just like all the stuff that China's getting, like I remember like on the bus, I would just, you know, there were these two boys, like we were all friends. It was never like a harsh, like, I don't know. It wasn't ever like a mean, it wasn't intending to be like mean, like hurt my feelings kind of thing. But you know, Mm -hmm. would always like compare me to just like, or just, think of me as just a foreign object or something like that because they would yeah. bring up like Asian porn for example and just say like, oh. like, I feel mm-hmm. like, like uh, you're gonna be like a doctor or you're gonna end up in like an Asian porn film or like and as a middle schooler I'm like haha this is funny but like that's not funny yeah it was hard and even what you said about the middle name thing so I guess me and my siblings we all got our middle names are all our last names so like me oh from your biological family yes yeah so my name is Catherine Geraldino Lewis and like I remember like when I was living in Connecticut like just growing up especially in elementary school like what you said just brought me back to like so many flashbacks of like recess just trying to I would never tell anyone my middle name I'd be like no it's a secret like no especially since it was kind of not hard to pronounce it's really not hard but it's just a long weird I thought it was so ugly like I just hated it I just would not tell anyone and I would be like okay well it's the g and that's all I'll say and they just like guess all these names and whatever and I just never ever told anyone and if I did tell like my friends I think the reason I did that is because one time I told someone and like I was in like second grade and it just became something to laugh about just because it's so weird. And my name's not like... Because they were like, ooh, it's, it was another thing that made you different. And you were like, I don't want to be different. Yeah. I want to fit in with everybody else. Mm-hmm. I know. And even my mom, because she was a teacher. And like when she stayed at home, when like my little sister, like when we were all growing up for a brief moment, she would come into my classroom and do like a little Filipino activity near like Christmas time. Okay. We'd make like kind of like American's version of like a Christmas tree star but in the Philippines you hang it up and it's like really sparkly and it's just all decorated and it's it's just like a a wire wrapped in like a bunch of sparkly stuff and it's a star with a circle around it (laughs) I'm like maybe I'm a bad Filipino I don't know what it is (laughs) I I just forgot what it is but like my mom would come in and she'd like make this whole craft where we all decorated it. She talked about like the history of like the Philippines and like what it represents and all that stuff. And I loved it up until I was in like third or fourth grade. And I was like, mom, you can't, can we not do that this year? Like I Mm. kind of weird. I don't really want people to, I don't know. It's just too weird. And people don't really want to learn about that. You know? 
Yeah. Did you feel like if she came in, it would kind of point all eyes to you yes. because you were the Filipino, like clearly you were the Filipino girl mm-hmm. in the class. Yeah. I don't know. And it's just yeah. weird. And a lot of kids, people even now don't even know where the Philippines is or like where it is on a map or like that it's even a thing. Oh yeah. I get called like Korean Samoan, mm-hmm. super random Hawaiian. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have pretty much like everything. Yeah. <laughs> I've had customers be like, this one guy, and I'll never forget, he was just like, so what are you? You know, or like... My least favorite question. Yeah, and that, that to me is like the most blunt and the most rude, but like some people are like, oh, what's your nationality? I'm like, I'm American, actually. Like, like what do you want me to tell you? Like, just, I don't know. It just be mm-hmm. a weird guessing game and people are entertained by it. Oh my God. It's so not entertaining for me. Honestly, when people ask me that, I'm like, I want to punch you in the face so badly right now. I hate everything that you're saying. That's how I feel. People shouldn't be violent, but you know, those are my thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. No, I hate it. It's just like, it does feel rude. And I'm not sure what would be a better way to ask somebody that. Do you have a thought about that? It's not even the question. It's just like how people approach it, especially just because I am a waitress. So like I get the question almost not every day, but I get it very frequently and it's people I'll never see again. And like, and you know, when I answer, they'll like look to the person that they're with. They're like, see, I got it right. Like, I guess. So in that case, like they had been. Oh, talking about you at the table. Oh yeah. No, not into that. And it's just like the question will be like, just what's your ethnicity like they won't even that will be like the first thing they'll say like when I come back up to them or just like you know so and it's hard because in that environment like I'm at work like I'm working and I have to have mm-hmm. more service like you have to be nice yeah, I do want to punch them in the face like like you said like I do want to be like um actually that's really rude like don't say that to people <laughs> but I have to be like oh yeah like just put my customer yeah because they you're like, they have to tip you at the end of the night. Yeah. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, what I really want to do is punch you in the face, yeah. but you have to tip me. So I guess I'll smile and then walk away from you. Yeah. No, I hate that. I hate that question. I think it's also very rude, especially I don't feel like people need to bring it up, you know, like whatever. If you're going to have that conversation at your table, go for it. But you don't need to be like, guessing. oh, guessing. And yeah. like, what is she? Like, let's ask her. Mm-hmm. You're like, stop. Big thank you to Boss Babes ATX for sponsoring season one of the In Bold Company podcast. So you guys, I love this nonprofit so much because they have been so supportive of In Bold Company since the very, very beginning and especially with producing this podcast. So not only have they supported me, but each year they educate and connect 1500 plus emerging women and non-binary creatives, entrepreneurs and leaders through their different programs with 20,000 plus community members per year attending their programs. I mean, honestly, that's like a mouthful for me to say, but they do such a great job. And we all know that being an entrepreneur, creative human trying to do things is super hard without access to resources and community. In May 2020, Boss Babes ATX will be introducing their first ever membership. So this is for women and non-binary leaders seeking personal and professional development, 
The membership tiers will be anywhere from $5 to $50 a month, and it will include access to Boss Babes ATX personal resource guides to intimate networking and trainings with other thought leaders and mentors in the community. So to learn more about Boss Babes ATX programs and their memberships, head to bossbabes.org and you can use the code imbold 2020 for 10% off anything in their shop, their membership when it launches, and all ticketed Boss Babes ATX events for 2020. You can support them while supporting us. Thank you so much, Boss Babes ATX. Well, I really want to circle back to what it was like for you to go to the Philippines. I've never been, so I'm curious. Yeah. I like really want to know what it was like because the only time... Like what you were saying earlier about being in the Philippines and being like, whoa, everyone's my height. We have similar eyes. We have the same skin complexion, the same hair color. The only time I've ever felt that was when I went to Thailand for the first time. So I flew and had a layover in Hong Kong. And I remember I got into the airport and I called my mom immediately. And I was like, everyone here is my height. It is so cool. (laughs) You're like, the toilets are at the correct height for me. Like everything was eye level. It was so weird. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, you know, then I went to Thailand and it was still felt that way. Yeah. It was really cool. Yeah. But never to the Philippines. Yeah. How did you feel the second time you went? Because that was when you, did you meet your biological family or was that your brother? No, that was, so that was me. Yeah, so the first time we went as a family, that was when we were really young. I didn't know my um, birth family or anything. We kind of did that, so kind of just to see the Philippines in general. But um, we went to like our orphanage that we had, you know, been at. We went mm-hmm. to um, just all like a little bit of touristy parts of the Philippines and stuff. So like the second time I went, that was after I had kind of known my birth family for a while and I guess the backstory on that is since I was adopted through an orphanage they could release I think I was 17 at the time so I would really just have to wait a year until I was 18 for me to contact them Mm -hmm. and kind of request information if they had any on file let's say but when I was 17 I just remember like one night oh I think I figured out that like they had a Facebook page because like Facebook is huge like all over the world, but especially in the Philippines, like people only communicate via like Facebook Messenger, like that's it. But um, yeah, like I went on like the Facebook page, and pretty much what it had become was all these like Filipino women either trying to connect with the children that they put up for adoption, or like wow. the way around. So like people putting like, okay, like this is my baby was born, like. Um, this day and this year so she would be around this age and um I named her this you know originally that was her like orphanage name because my name when I was born was Diana Rose Geraldino Mm -hmm. so like that was my name like in the orphanage and it wasn't until I was adopted that like my name got changed and that's usually the case for other adopted children but Mm -hmm. but yeah so like everyone was just putting their information out and just trying to find like a connection and it was just so interesting Wow. 
Yeah, like I was, I think I was like either a junior or a senior in high school. And one night I just couldn't go to sleep. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to like scroll all the way down and just like see what happens. And I was more so like curious about all the stories. And like in the comments, they'd be like, oh my gosh, like I know so-and-so, whatever. And I was scrolling through the face. Like I was going like years back because I don't know if they still have it, but like you can go through Facebook and like, Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. You can, like, change the year that people posted or whatever. Exactly. So I think – and a lot of people posted – like, the trend was people were posting, like, on the birthdays of, like, the adopted children. So Whoa, this is so wild. I know. So pretty much I, like, went through each year and I would scroll to, like, February because my birthday is the 13th of February. Mm -hmm. I think it was three years, like, when I was looking. So I think that was, like, 2016 – it was like a post from 2013 or 2014. And basically this lady was just like, I don't know. I forgot what it said, but like, I'm looking for my daughter, Diana Rose Geraldino. Like she was born February 13th, 1998. And like, I just kept reading it and I was like, this isn't connecting, whatever. But at the bottom, like she attached a picture and it was a picture that like my adopted parents took when I was, it was like a Christmas card and it connected because we always send the orphanage Christmas cards every year. Mm -hmm. It was a picture of me in like a Christmas outfit when I was like maybe four or five years old. Oh my gosh. had it somehow. I'm sure the orphanage sent it to her just as like an update or whatever. How did you feel in that moment? Like being like, oh my God, that's my face. It was three in the morning and like I had school and I was just like, what? the heck like I I almost didn't even believe it like it was so weird and I think before even before that there were two Catherine Geraldinos like on Facebook in general and I was like okay but their profiles were like kind of private and like it was just weird and I think I had messaged both of them at one point like a few years before but never got anything back Mm -hmm. kind of just let it go but as soon as I saw it I was like oh my gosh I immediately just like messaged that person and I was like I'm Diana Rose you mean wait your mom yeah your birth mom mom. because it was it was her and like that was my picture and that like that was my birthday that was my birth year that's like all the information that literally no one would really know except for me because I have like all the information on my adoption papers right did she respond right away I think she might have responded right away I'm pretty sure she did yeah I'm pretty because I commented too just to make sure But yeah, and then we had been talking for like, I think, like a half a year before I told my adopted family. Yeah, I was gonna ask. I don't know. I didn't really know how to approach it. And like, when you're a teenager, you kind of just like blow things off or like, it was really meaningful to me. But I was kind of like, thinking about so many other things like prom and graduation and just like life and you know, so and I also didn't, I think in the back of my mind, I didn't want to like hurt my parents feelings which that wasn't the case when I told them but like I was like I don't know how to approach that because especially my parents are like so like I knew they would react like so they'd be like obsessed with like knowing more and like wanting to contact her and I was like I don't want it to blow up especially since I have two other adopted siblings yeah and like my brother I think since he was adopted from the same orphanage he probably could find more information on his birth mom if he wanted to But he was a different case. Like, I think, I don't know if you've heard of, like, Trash Mountain. 
or smoke no it's called smoky mountain and it's in the philippines and the reason they call it that is because like it's just a pile of trash that's just humongous and the fact that there's so much trash like like smoke will come up from it and i what because of just like all the weird materials that are just like mixing together you know Mm -hmm. apparently it's a thing and i just i think part of daniel's story is he was born there or like that's where his family was living and stuff like that whoa so i don't know if he is like interested in finding it or i just don't think he's interested right now and also yeah sister in korea i think she i don't know if she would have any information of or, or way of finding her to use yeah just because i think it was one of the cases like similar to like adopted children in china where they're kind of like just dropped off like yeah and there's like no, no kind of trace family. of yeah so i i didn't really want to i had to figure out in my mind first before telling them like how to even approach like telling my family yeah, you had to process it on your own, though, because that is yeah. that is something that maybe you didn't realize at the time was special, but maybe you did subconsciously, and yeah. you need time to pro- – I mean, finding your birth mom is a big deal, I think. Yeah, and because it's, a, like, a part of you that you just don't – it's just a huge question mark for, like, your entire life, mm-hmm. whether or not you decide to pursue it or not. Either way, it's still, like – like, you can't really say, like, I know, I remember, like, growing up, all my friends would be like, yeah, my nose comes from my dad, and, like, my eyes come from, and I would never be able to, like, be a part of those kind of conversations, just because, like, my parents are Irish, <laughs> and, like, that's just what it is. Yeah. But, yeah, I ended up telling them, and it became, like, it was just really awesome, and then, I don't know, there was a lot of things that were weird about, like, like finding the rest of my biological family, because, like, my birth mother she separated from my birth father. Mm-hmm. They ended up having another child after me like three years later, but they still separated. But I don't think like they're very close. So she didn't really tell me much information about their side of the family for a while. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it wasn't until I finally got in touch with all of them. Like, dude, their family is just so big. So I just got like a million friend requests from all like the family members from my father's side of the family mm-hmm. and yeah i i ended up getting close with just all of them virtually yeah and i just, before you went to the philippines yeah before i went to the philippines and um like i went to college for like a year and then like once i got done with like that i was like i think i'm just gonna visit and make the trip and just see how it goes did you go alone yeah i went alone and like my family was like oh are you sure but I don't know. I It just seemed right, like, just talking to them and, like, interacting with them virtually. I was like, I trust them. Like, I I don't know. I just I just had, like, this feeling that, like, yeah, I trust them and it'll be fine. So what happened when you went? So – Like, you got to the Philippines and you were, like uh. – I know. It was so weird because, like, I've never seen these people, like, in my life, literally. So I just landed in the airport and then I was just, like, looking around, like, okay, I'm just going to try to match, like, what they look like to, like, my Facebook pictures. But it ended up being, like, my birth father and, like, his cousin and his cousin's wife that they – because they were there in Manila, which is where I flew into. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, they just, like, embraced me with open arms and, like, it just became, like, this huge thing and it was – It was just, like, an amazing, I guess, like, 
first experience to the family just because in the Philippines the culture is just very like everything's funny everything's like we like to hug we like to you know everything's just very like go with the flow and it's nothing's not a big deal like it's just very I don't know welcoming and welcoming so yeah I stayed in Manila with them for like a day or two just because that's where like part of my family lives and that's where I was born Mm -hmm. both my birth mom and my birth father were like born and raised in Shargao which is an island. It's kind of close to Cebu, which is like okay. southeast. So yeah, they live in like a really tiny island. So I ended up flying there with my birth father. And Whoa. that's where like I have pretty much the entire family lives on that island. Like I met my birth mother's family first. I didn't meet her because she worked in Hong Kong at the time. And like now she's working in like Somewhere in Europe, I or no, I think she works in Russia right now. Just because a lot. Of- what? What does she do? I don't even know what she does, but it's really common for Filipino people to like work abroad. Yeah, because there's more opportunities there. Yeah, plus then they can send money home, and exactly they can make more than they can in the Philippines. Send money home, support everybody. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah, I pretty much met her family. And it was just like a huge feast everywhere I went. Like they had everything prepared and like they had a poster of like a picture of my face. Pictures of you. <laughs> Welcome. Baby. That's so cute. You love whatever. And it, I, it was just so cute. And they, and I was vegan. I'm still vegan, but like, you know, they had like the lechon. So it's like a whole pig and just all like these dishes just prepared. And it was so amazing. Wait, did you eat it? No. (laughs) (laughs) I did eat fish. I eat fish whenever I go to the Philippines because, like, it's just so good. And it's an island, so it's all, like, fresh. It's just, like, caught off the side of the island. But yeah, when I met, like, my birth father's family, like, that was probably the best part. And, like, I just feel so connected to that part of the family because, like, I have two little brothers and I have, like... 10 little cousins and they're just all yeah so cute and like in the philippines everyone speaks a little bit of english anyway so the communication Mm -hmm. is always really really good and yeah i don't know i think just getting to know what family life is like there like everyone lives in like one house pretty much and if they don't live in the same house they live literally across the street or like down the road and like we eat breakfast lunch and dinner together like we do everything yeah, like super family oriented. Yeah, and it, I think that just made me instantly like connect with them because that's something that I really appreciate and enjoy. And it's just so sweet. And I don't know, I think I've always wanted like little siblings. I'm like, I have a little sibling in like America, like Abby's whatever, but I always <laughs> have, like, a little brother or like a little, just like little babies to like, you know, to love on yeah exactly and um and then i've ended up finding out that i do have little brothers i have two of them and they're so cute one is a senior in high school right now and he like keeps messaging me <laughs> like help with his homework and then i have a uh. seven-year-old little brother and he's just so so cute and i don't know all the cousins are pretty much siblings too like that's just how it feels it was just really nice especially since I was the oldest of all of the cousins and siblings so they Mm -hmm. like adored me and like my aunts are just so hilarious and I just felt like I was part of the family and like the set literally the set instantly yeah 
No, that's so beautiful. I feel like that's a really beautiful experience to be able to have and get reconnected and have it be such a good experience. And now you feel like you have even more family and it feels good. Yeah. I don't know. They look like me. Like I'm like, oh, okay. Like this is why I like look this way. Like this is why, you know, this is where I get this from. Like I can find Mm. conversation. Yeah. Because you always wonder growing up, like, who are your parents? Like, what do they look like? You know, and like, Mm -hmm. some traits, you know, it's like that nature versus nurture aspect, you know, you can't really draw back to like, any of the nature part. It's only just like, you know, what traits did I get from my adopted family? And then like, what traits? Yeah, from like my birth family. But yeah, is anyone there an artist? No, no one there. Where do you get that from? Girl, I don't even know. I couldn't. <laughs> but yeah, it's really it's really cute to see though. Like especially knowing my cousins, like I was like the crazy child growing up. And it might have been because I was a middle child, but like now that I know my like little cousins, like my little brother and my little cousin Iva, like today's her birthday actually. But they are crazy. Like they are insane and I'm like this is what I was like when I was little, whereas like my adopted siblings like they were always the very calm children and like they didn't really I was too much for them I was just too much for everyone but (laughs) but yeah I don't know it's just so interesting to I don't know just be immersed in such a different environment completely especially the island in the Philippines is just so different from like Manila or like the rest of the entire like country yeah makes sense because the Philippines is just like I think like 1700 islands like around there and Manila is huge so huge yeah Whereas, like, the island, it's literally just, like, island life. I love island life. It's insane. Like, especially that one. It's so good. It's literally, like, a surf island. So it's becoming a little bit more, like, touristy in one Mm. bit. But, like, the way of life is so simple. Like, my birth father, he has a, a little boat. And he has, like, fish cages, like, outside of the islands. So mm-hmm. he'll wake up at, like, 4 in the morning and just, like, dry like go to his fish cages he'll like he has the stick and everything where like he just goes in with a mask and just like catches his fish and that's what we eat for the day like and then he'll come back he'll make breakfast for all of us and it's just like fish and rice and all that stuff and the way like the little ways that he acts is just so different like you know the way they show love is just so different I feel like like he would give all the children like the fresh rice and like the little like the best parts of the fish and like the best parts of the meat and like he'd make everyone's stuff first and then like the kids and the elders because there was only one kitchen table so we would eat food, mm-hmm. and then we'd finish and then they would eat like the leftovers and like all that stuff and like little things like that I was like this is such a different way of life but I appreciate it so much not so much more than like what I what I have but in a different way yeah, it's different way yeah and now you get to have both mm-hmm. which is cool I feel like that just adds to the abundance of your life is like being able to have both of those things yeah. did you ever talk to your birth parents about why they ended up putting you up for adoption I kind of knew growing up just because it was always in the adoption papers like they were both I think like my birth mom was 17 and my birth father was 18 and really like it's not even that like the Philippines it's just a whole different 
you know, reality, especially since it's very traditional and like they're both like Christianity is a big part of um, the Philippines too. And just like religion and just doing things a very traditional way, especially since both of them have so many siblings, like my birth father is one of eight. So it's just like, you kind of have to do things in a certain way. And, and I don't know, I think actually, you know what? My birth father didn't even know that she had me until they had their second child. So what? yeah. So when she told him that she had a baby and then she gave them up for adoption, like he immediately flew to Manila and like went to the orphanage and like was trying to like look for me and like find all the information that he could like after I know like literally that's the kind of person he is and like he's so selfless and he's very quiet actually but I don't know hearing all of those things I was like wow wow like I know I'm like oh my gosh it's so sweet yeah so it's so funny because a lot of my aunts you know they're his sisters and he's he's very very shy and he's his English isn't very good so he wants to connect with me but like it's hard for him to but they always say like he like raises my brothers and like all of the cousins and even like my brother's friends like there's this little kid like Anton who isn't a part of the family but he like lives in a little like Nipah hut with like I don't know with a billion siblings and like he just pretends to be a part of our family and like they say that he really does well with all of the kids I think and they think especially since he knows that he had like a child somewhere out there Mm -hmm. and just like wanted to make sure that like if I was being taken care of that like he does above and beyond with like his children and stuff like that so I don't know I think it just makes me really really grateful for the life that I do have and just seeing the difference like it's just such polar opposites like my life here like my life of what it could be and like what it is when I'm there like it's just so different especially with like finances and stuff Mm -hmm. I view money so much differently now after going there not because I see like how different it is but just because like like knowing how hard they work over like my birth father worked for the airport in Chargao and he literally works like 10 hours a day like in the Philippines is so hot. So it's always it's no matter what, it's like a hundred something degrees and it's so humid and whatever. And like he does that every single day and he only makes six dollars a day. You know? Which like to me that blows my mind. Like wow. It just blows my mind. So like I'm glad I have the experiences that I do with mm-hmm. the method and knowing them, just because like everything now that I do is definitely with purpose whereas I think before Mm -hmm. like money is just you know you you need it to live and whatever but like yeah but it puts things into a different perspective yeah and it like shifted I think like what I want in life definitely because even though that's the case over there like they are the happiest just the happiest people I've ever known in my life like the Philippine in general like Filipinos just very easygoing and they're always like laughing and everything's funny and they're always drinking like a San Miguel or something and singing karaoke. (laughs) I don't know. Even I really admire just not having to have all the things, but still being really, really happy and keeping in mind the things that are actually important. Yeah. Yeah. And I think my end goal is definitely to like end up living there. 
That'd be really cool. Yeah. That'd be amazing. I'll visit and then you can yeah, you can be my tour guide. Really <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, especially in these times, right? Everyone's thinking about what they took for granted before this happened. They're thinking about connecting with family more yeah. and their friends. And I don't know. I feel like that's more relevant now than ever before, right? Everyone's kind of in this zone of thinking about what really matters most to them in their life. I mean, it's obviously money is important because we all have to pay our rent. Right. But man, the amount of Zoom calls that I've been on. Yeah, no. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's fine. It's good. I wouldn't have really had the time to do it if we weren't in quarantine. Mm-hmm. To sit and talk to our families from far away. Jurgen's family is in South Africa. My family is like all over the US. And it is really nice to be able to get to talk to everybody. And you're like, oh shit, I'm sorry, I haven't talked to you. Yeah, because human connection is really like the thing that makes people like happy, I feel like. I think that's that a lot of people have come up with, like, no matter what, like, even the richest people, like, human connection does not compare to like money and especially now knowing that everything can be canceled if it had to be like school work even work like you know even getting money and like the act of getting money like everything is really just a societal construct yes it's all made up yeah yeah exactly and like that's you know, everything is made oh, up what is life? yeah but that kind of also shows you that you can do literally anything that you want in life and like there's no right way of living or like there's no right way to you know get an income there's no right way of like having a family there's no right way to do anything or process anything yeah I think it's all about your values and remembering what those are and remembering the things that are really really important to you Mm -hmm. I want to circle back because I feel like this would be a really good time to talk about something in your life that you would like to declutter that maybe isn't something that is material oriented so I know you said your apartment (laughs) yeah yeah I think this time is really good for decluttering just because I guess I want to say that you value like being busy like kind of just what we were just talking about like how everything's a society like everything's made up in like a societal construct like I think I really want to just declutter, first of all, declutter my mind, because whenever I'm, like, doing all the things, whenever anyone's doing all the things, like, I've never had, like, worse anxiety, like, just, like, being so busy, like, and I think the fact that we measure success in being busy, like, makes everything, and I do that, too, like, if I'm not, like, my concept of busy used to be, like, working, like, two jobs and being in school, like, that was a huge thing that I did, and, like, that was validating for me. But everything gets so cluttered that you don't have time to clean your apartment. You don't have time to organize your files or like go through emails, even just like to lay down and just like do nothing. Yeah, because you're going and going and going and going. Yeah, and even like talking to loved ones, like I don't have time, like doing a project that you need to get done, like I don't have time, like whatever. I think now, especially with trying to balance like work and like, art and like the business of it and even like home life especially just letting go like using this time to really think about what is important 
and like talking to family, even my family Zoom calls, I'm like, oh yeah, sometimes I forget that I have like extended family, like, and that like, you know, since we only see each other on holidays, that we all have lives, like we all, like just by talking to my mom, I just realized like what my aunts and uncles do for a living, which I didn't know. I literally didn't know. Like, and like what my cousins who are my age, like what they're pursuing as careers. I'm like, I had no idea. Like, yeah, everyone's busy. Yeah. So I think just taking that and figuring out like, okay, what really is important, especially in working, even with my job, I'm like realizing a lot about like, the kind of people that I would want to work for. And like, you know, is this important? Is is this worth, you know, an income, whatever, mm-hmm. using the time to just do nothing and think about things and figure out, yeah, what is important and what is actually going to get me to where I want to be in life, wherever that is, how to navigate that and then how to move forward knowing all those things. Yeah. Because, yeah, when you're busy, I just, I don't know about other people, but I just feel like everything is a mess. <laughs> no, I feel you. You can ask Jurgen. I literally will add a million projects to my plate. Yeah, and just yes to I love it because you think yes, like this is something that could push me forward and like bring me to a certain place. But at what cost, though? Like at what cost? Mm-hmm. Sometimes when you say yes to everything, you do a mediocre job at all those things. Whereas, like maybe if you're like, hey, Katie, maybe if you prioritize and like maybe put this off later, you could do a really, really good job at like the one. Mm-hmm. Like the two. Oh, simplifying is very difficult for me. I'm like you. I I think up until 2017, I've always had three jobs. Mm-hmm. Just because, no. like, I'm like, I don't know. I just I love it. Yeah, and my my bosses were always even my parents were like, why? Like, you really don't need to do that. And it's just like yeah. I'm like, but yes, I do like this because I need to be secure. I need to be whatever and yes like those are valid things and I think people are valid in thinking that but then like when your mental health starts to crumble you're like oh no like how do you stop unless there's like a mandated like quarantine like how do you stop and declutter exactly and yeah do all the things yeah yeah I guess yeah that's what I said to Jurgen I was like like imagine all of these people in the world right now, obviously we're privileged to be able to have the time to think about these things, but like imagine all the people in the world that are thinking about all the things that they've wanted to do and they have no more excuses because the entire world is shut down. Yeah. The entire world. Yeah. And no one's doing anything. Yeah. And if you are, I'm concerned. Yeah. But yeah. Well, just to kind of wrap up, another thing I like to do at the end of the call is ask if there's any – women of color that you are really loving right now, whether that's like another artist that people should go check out or a singer or whatever, TV show, anything. That's hard. I know. Sorry, that's an on-the-spot question. (laughs) Well, I would say, honestly, not – I don't think there's one specific person, but I I definitely think that all of the women of color that I met in Austin – do that for me like inspire me especially it's like bringing it back to our conversation that we had at the beginning just like growing up and not having those kinds of people around me like now I'm like sliding into people's dms I'm like be my friend like let's get coffee or whatever and now now like after being here for at least I think I've been here for like a year and almost like a half now I have so many like friends and like 
people that I vend with and people that I've met through misfits and like just all those women who like we can have conversations like this about like I'm obsessed with it like I cannot have enough like women of color like in my life and I just think I agree having them to lean on especially in a time like this where like yeah privilege plays a different role in like everyone's life like I like to have Mm -hmm. those conversations with people who are I guess having similar experiences to me just so you don't feel as alone and you just don't feel like you're reaching out to people who might not understand as well Mm -hmm. yeah I guess all of those people shout out to every one of my friends I guess here I guess those are the people who have been just really keeping me sane and also inspiring me to do things that I didn't think I could do prior to moving here yeah no that's really beautiful I think I know some of the people that you're talking about yeah, I think. <laughs> Literally, oh, yeah. that I met at Misfits, like, I will not be able to tell you like, yeah. how much it, how much it impacted me, for real. Oh, my gosh, my heart. And, like, Nina, and, um, yeah, I just did a commission. Oh, my God, I have it right here. Oh, yeah. Obviously, Regine sent it to me, because her and Dev's anniversary was couple days ago yeah two days, three days. i don't know what day it is anymore yeah, even the people that i met there like you know mimi do i know mimi mimi makes me cry <laughs> the first time I went, like when i went to misfits like i went alone just because like i had just moved to austin but i had mm-hmm. her and i was like oh my gosh like she's so like beautiful and just like she just seems like an amazing person and then i think like six months later i found her like from doing like one of the modeling things for misfits and i like slid in her dms and like now we're friends and like now I'm, I know all the vendors. Shout out Mimi. Yeah, like I love her. I met Ben for the first time, like from year nine hundred one. Yeah, whatever. Like, and I know all the vendors, but yeah, all of that. Yeah, I'm like shout out to Ben at year nine hundred one. Shout out to Bad Gal Jewelry. Yeah. Isn't that? Yeah. I'm like I'm thinking of Mimi's actual Instagram name, so I'm like, oh. right. Uh, yeah, I. <laughs> it's so hard because I'm like I can't remember. I'm like, what's everyone's Instagram? Name? I know, right? Who else? I'm like, shout out to Rihanna, mm-hmm. Marie Chan, mm-hmm. because I talked to her and we have a special project going on that I'm really excited about. I'm like, I'll link all these people so that other people can find them and find you, obviously, and follow you guys. Because, I mean, I love all of you. Everyone's really awesome. Yeah, I love. I love everyone that we worked with at Misfits too. It was really great. <laughs> it was such a Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I think this conversation was really fucking cool. I'm so excited to share it. Thank you. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. All right, y'all. That was my episode with Katie. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. If you like the show, make sure you share it with a friend you think would like it too. And as always, you can find me on Instagram at Imbold Company. Make sure you rate, subscribe, leave a review. It helps other people find us on the internet. So this week on the gram, we're giving away a free social media consultation with Gabby Fee and also have an Instagram takeover by Brown Girls Food Club this Thursday. Come join us. We'll be there on the internet chatting. So you can find all of the resources and links to everything that we talked about today on the show notes 
Or if you don't find it, just shoot me an email or a DM or whatever. And I'm happy to send something over to you if you're looking for it. Next week on the podcast, I have Rosa Rebellion coming on to talk about activism and finding your voice. So make sure that you tune in next week. And if you're still listening, the theme of the episode was declutter. So if you're still listening, let me know by DMing or commenting on a post, just what you're trying to declutter from your life, right? It doesn't have to be physically. Is there something else that you're trying to get rid of? But yeah, that's all. Can't wait to talk to you guys again soon. I'll see you next week.